podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, thanks for listening once again to Steve Bloomer's Washing, Derby County podcast. The world may have turned upside down, but we're determined to keep Rams fans entertained as they socially distance and self-isolate. I'm your host, Chris. How you doing? Uh, No Richard, Tom or Anton this week, as uh, we all obey government guidance, but we do have another Derby expert on the other end of the phone to help us out. But uh, before we go on, don't forget, Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer, who are a great local business who I'm sure would definitely appreciate your your business, who would appreciate your support once things return to normal. But um, as I said, uh, my guest on the pod for this episode is a man who usually asks the questions. Uh, we all know him as the lead presenter on the club's in-house channel Rams TV. It's a uh, big SBW welcome to Derby County's very own Owen Bradley. How are you doing, Owen? I'm good, mate. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, very kind to describe me earlier as an expert. I'm, I'm sure a few would disagree, but thank you. Oh, not at all. Um, first things first, How? what's your current situation? Are you, uh, are you self-isolating? Are you social distancing or, or, or both? How are you getting on? Um... I, I guess I guess we're are we self isolating No, we're not because we're going out and about. But no, me me and the girlfriend are at home. Basically, the only people that we're coming within two meters uh, of is is the dog, um, which is quite useful when we go out and about because the dog won't let anyone get within two meters of us. So that's that's good. Um, yeah, bless her. She's a she's a bark is worse than a bite, certainly. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're keeping our distance. We're we're being sensible. Um, we did go around to see mum on Mother's Day, but we stood in the garden five metres apart and sort of threw the card to her. Um, yeah, just doing, same as everybody else really, mate, just doing doing what we need to do and, and what we're advised to do, I guess. It's um, completely unprecedented. I'm on, uh, what day am I on? I think I'm on day six of self-isolation, which has been challenging. Uh, yeah, tomorrow I've, I've got that psychological barrier of being halfway through. and uh, Yeah. But I think as we, literally as we speak, or as we record, I think uh, the country is about to be put into further lockdown. So um, even when I'm through the end of this, I might not be able to leave the house anyway. But we'll have to cross it a bridge when we come to it, won't we? It, it's just, it's just. I mean, obviously, and everybody said it, it's just incredible. It, I, I've never known anything like it in my, in my lifetime. I hope we never do again. Uh, for obvious reasons but you know like we we put um just a little story we put sort of notes through a lot of the neighbors doors just to say you know we're reasonably young we we're reasonably fit and healthy if, if you need anything like let us know and, and we've had a few neighbors just get in touch to say you know thank you really appreciate that and we had one chap today uh he, he lives a few doors down i've never spoke never met him before never spoke to him before and he um he was nearly in tears on my doorstep saying you know i've got really bad like lung issues my wife's at home with a a really serious lung condition like I sort of don't know what I'm gonna do and that just really you know I I, that really hit home for me sort of like how genuinely awfully serious this is yeah people just completely cut off but I mean 
you, you know, you, you mentioned that you are you are doing your bit as a lot of people are, and I think it's it's important yeah. to emphasize that that sort of stuff is happening because it seems that a lot of the stuff that we're seeing is crowds outside supermarkets and uh, and crowds in parks and uh, yeah. people fighting over yeah. toilet roll and and what have you. So you know, society isn't completely dead and buried. Is is what I'm saying? No, it's it's not. Of course, it's not. It's just it's just so. And look, we we see this all the time, though, in so many walks of life, that it's it's a few idiots that either don't know or are ignorant or just don't care. Uh, and we see it constantly on social media, in society at large. And we're seeing it in this, sadly, but those people can have such such an influence on the situation. So we'll we'll see how we go. I guess we're all in it together. And you actually got into a bit of a, a bit of COVID-related yeah. difficulty on a recent trip abroad, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so and, and, and you know what? In fairness, like and, and actually, some uh, some people that commented on the uh, the Derby Telegraph's article about it um, maybe had a point. I mean, I disagree because we followed the advice, but uh, we went out to France uh, to Avoriaz for a skiing holiday. Um, I think Italy had already started taking precautions. I don't know if they were totally locked down, but you know things had started happening in Europe already. But I'm a bit of a Twitter addict, so I'm on top of it, and I'm always watching the news and all that sort of thing. So I knew what the advice was, and the advice was very firmly, no, you should still go, you should still have your holiday, blah, blah, blah. So we were out there, uh, arrived, had two days on the slopes. First day was awful weather, second day was good. But yeah, and then sort of on the the, the third evening that we were there, uh, the French government announced their lockdown, and we were sort of like, "All oh, right." So the, the resort closed around us, and some web who we booked with, you know, to be fair to them, they got us out. It's just the, it just must have been so complicated. I read that there were thirty thousand British tourists out skiing at the time. So we got home. That's the important thing. We were safe. That's the important thing. Um, inconvenienced, yeah. Disappointed that we didn't get the holiday, yeah. But bigger picture, that's not important. It was just quite funny that you know we got in the Derby Telegraph, and I think initially I was described as star of Rams TV, which uh, we all found hilarious, uh, and got pelters in the comments for it as well. I well, everyone, everyone knows the star is uh, Shane Nicholson, and you're just... well, well, yeah, exactly, or 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 indeed the players, but um, <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely, Shin, Shin is the man, um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a bit. I think they changed the headline actually, but look, it's an experience, and everyone's all right, and that's the important thing. But in terms of your day to day, obviously you're you're back in back doing the nine to five now, and uh, you know yeah. Derby County, like all businesses, sports clubs, all that sort of thing, up and down the UK, uh, they've had to issue the same working from home guidance um, as everyone else. So how has that worked in practicality for you? How is your, what's your nine to five like now? I mean, it's just weird. It's, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure it's the same for so many people. It's just a bit strange. So I'm, I'm sat working downstairs in the kitchen. Uh, My girlfriend, who's a quantity surveyor, she's she's got a proper job. Uh, She's decided to to place herself upstairs. So she's cracking on with spreadsheets and all these sort of things. Um, at the minute, we're just sort of planning and trying to figure out what we can do and how we can do it. We were just having a geeky conversation off air about tech tech for this and how complicated it can be. And, you know, we've got some show ideas that we're trying to work up to, to, to make sure that they're, that they're good and uh, and still watchable uh, and still of, of a good quality, a quality that we want to put out. Uh, I'm going to use the opportunity to try and do some writing that I've been wanting to do for a while, some stuff for the website. Uh, some long read stuff that I've that's been an idea that I've had kicking around for a while. Uh, we're hopefully going to start doing some interviews uh, over the next few days as well. Maybe get the podcast going a little bit more regularly. Uh, but at the moment, there's a lot of sort of sending messages, waiting for phone calls. 
I, I was putting together the Acad- the Academy Review Show today, which I think will go out at the end of the week. Uh, and even that was just weird because, like, you know, I've not got any fresh features or fresh interviews. It, it's it's all sort of piecing stuff together from what we've got. But it's just unprecedented times for us, really. I mean, we, we, there will come a point where we do literally run out of football, I think. But did the when the club... Um, you know, gave you the guidance that, that everyone has given to everyone else. Where did that come from, and, wh- and when did it come? And they did they just say, right, everyone, players, staff, coaches, everyone around the club, work from home as of now? I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure because I was away when it sort of all started to happen, um, and I wasn't back from holiday. My first day back from holiday was Friday, so even Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when I was back in the country, I wasn't. I was sort of half aware of what was going on, but I wasn't at work, so. Um, I'll, I'll probably get the timeline wrong, but basically, as soon as the call came down from from the exec team and from HR that people were to stay stay away from the office, that's what everybody did. And I think since maybe since Tuesday last week, maybe Tuesday Wednesday, something like that. Um, certainly, our team have all been have been working from home. I know one or two have have gone into the office for you know get stuff off the servers or, or whatever else, and and the players might have been off for for even longer than that actually. Um, but it's you know we'll follow the advice like everybody else. And I don't know um, I don't know how much you'd be able to uh, to tell us about the side of things. But in terms of the players and the coaches, so so Philip Cocker and, and his Derby team, do you think they'll be able to carry out any sort of like tactical or, or physical work at all, or is it all being paused? Have they had plans made for them to carry out in their own homes? Do you know what the situation is there? Uh, I mean, I don't know, but I would assume so. Um... Steve Haynes and, and, and the fitness guys will be across everything. Um, I'm sure the players will all have their own their own programs to be following. Um, there are some fitness freaks in, in the in the side as in, in the squad as well who are, I'm sure will be on top of things. Uh, I know Martin Waghorn's quite um, quite visible on his social media on his Instagram. He's been out in the garden a lot doing bits um, with his son and his wife, who I think is you know really super fit as well. Um, so so they'll have their programs. They'll stay in shape in terms of technical stuff. Again, I wouldn't be surprised because one of the things I've sort of learned about Philip Koku and his team is that they're at the cutting edge of this sort of stuff and and they'll have the clips and they'll have their their testing and, and they'll have that stuff available remotely. If it's doable, they will get their hands on it and they'll have the players doing it. The issue, I, I guess, uh, uh, the issue I guess that everybody's got is you just don't know when it's going to start up again. So you don't know what level you want to keep the players at because it's difficult, isn't it, to keep you can be at peak performance but there's no point keeping the players at peak performance for the next six weeks eight two months if they're not going to need to get to that level so it's an unknown for everybody I mean yeah when you um when players do pre-season like they build up to being match fit and keeping them in that condition is is really really hard like it's a really intense like acute form of fitness that they have to be in and surely they can't maintain that for however long this is going to last yeah you can't No, no one can no one can um it's about you know look at look at athletes look at the the British track cycling team. They the joke often is that they were they're, they're bad for four years and then the Olympics come around and they blow people out of the water because they've learned to peak at the right time. The body can't physically stay at that level, so um, that's the the biggest challenge, I guess, for for the fitness guys. But the players will have their programs. Uh, they'll be on top of stuff. They'll be working on stuff. There's there's individual skill development, and and I think Philip Cocker and his team are quite big on that. But they are big on individual skill development. And all the players will be able to do bits of that um, while they're off at the moment. It, it, but it's no substitute for sort of training with the teammates and, 
and it's no substitute for games either. How many times do we hear players say and talk about being match sharp and being match fit? And no one's no one's going to be. But everybody's in the same boat. That's the thing. Everybody is in the same boat. This is a complete new world for, for everyone. Well, I think we could probably do an entire podcast just about this on its own. But I, uh, I did want to speak to you about, you know, your uh, your time at the club and, and sort of the wider issues, because um, at some point we will get back to normal eventually, whenever that happens. But mm. in terms of um, the work that you do and uh, and and the content that the Rams TV produce, uh, you know, it's it's a very uh, polished offering. There's the podcast you said there. There's the live match day streaming service. There's the uh, review shows. The academy roundups um to talk us through like the the planning that go, go, goes into that is it like weekly and daily and uh, how uh, how many people are involved in putting that content together yeah so uh, how big is our team a sort of permanent staff is probably about 12 these days they're an incredible team robbie matthews is head of broadcasting um took over from matt reader what year 18 months ago or so maybe a bit longer now uh matt was a great guy as well robin's brilliant great boss um sets you know a brilliant vibe in the office to be creative but to churn out a lot of really good content as well um and the guys are super talented editors uh, graphics guys animation guys um we've got gibbo doing bits for us as well and you know gibbo's derby royalties as far as i'm concerned his knowledge is sort of second to none um, and, and the players still love him as well. He's a bit of a celeb to, to some of them too. So uh, we've got a really good team. In terms of planning, some of it is day-to-day, hour-to-hour. Some of it is weekly. Some of it is monthly. Some of it is a little bit longer term. I'd love to get to the stage where more of it is medium to longer term. But the thing with football and the thing that we've learned is that anything can change, particularly at Derby. There always seems to be something happening. My My, my, my catchphrase, the slogan that, I used years ago when I started at Radio Derby was it's never boring and it, it's certainly never boring. Uh, we are limited from time to time by what we can do, not so much what we can say, but a little bit. But for the most part, we, we can do what we want. Uh, we can put the content together that we want. The limitations for the most part are the same as they would be for any sort of broadcaster. It's just that if you can't get buy-in from whoever you want to do it and yeah, sometimes we come at come up with stupid ideas that that people don't want to do and, and that's fine um but again that's the same for for anyone the thing that i love about the job that i do now is that i get so much more access i'm able to do things with players that i wouldn't otherwise be able to do and i think there was a little bit little bit more trust there than maybe there would have been if i was an external um so i'm really pleased to be doing it it's a lot of fun uh, and i appreciate that for, for a lot of people it's you know i have the, the dream job and i'm very grateful that i've got it well, that's it. You um, so you moved to the club from uh, from Radio Derby two and a half years ago in October two thousand and seventeen, having been at the BBC for for eight years. Is there anything you particularly miss about working in the local media compared to working for the club itself? Um, oh, I miss the people. I mean, I mean, I miss the people. The, the the first thing you say, what do you miss? I miss the people because they were just again, they were just a great team. Guys in the newsroom that people that maybe only listen to the sport. Uh, never would have, uh, never would have met, never would have heard of before. Um, I sort of regret in a way that I didn't get to work with Chris Coles. So I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think he's a really good guy, Chris. Uh, we've got a lot in common. We sort of look a little bit like as well. Uh, which is, <laughs> I don't want to say which it, is, but, yeah. which is a bit yeah, it's a bit weird. When he got the job, somebody texted me and was like, "We've appointed your clone." I was like, "What's that?" <laughs> um, and I, I popped in the office uh, a couple of weeks ago to do something down the line for Radio Cumbria about Max Hunt joining Carlisle. 
and a couple of the people in there were laughing and saying it was the first time they'd seen us in the same room together. Of course, there are things that you miss. I, I miss sort of broadcasting live every day, which is what I used to do. I did the breakfast show, uh, did the sport on the breakfast show. Um, I miss a bit of the variety. Uh, you know, it killed me not being on air the, the last election because I've done the last couple for the BBC. I really enjoyed it. Um, but you you can't have everything, can you? So um, so that, that that that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, I miss the people more than anything. There's some, some brilliant people there. I mean, it's fair to say that, you know, even if you miss the big news events working in local media, it's, it's, it's not as if Derby County haven't provided their own uh, their own source of things yeah, to talk about true. this season. Depending on how much you can actually say about them yourself. But you're a... Uh, you're a boyhood Derby fan yourself, of course. Um, you know, you've said yourself you're, you're living the dream. Uh, so, what's your what's your Derby County story, then, Owen? How did you get into it yourself, and what what's your uh, what's your earliest memory of uh, of the Rams? Well, I established a couple of years ago that that what I thought was my earliest memory wasn't a memory. It was sort of something that I'd put together from from three or four sort of snapshots because I thought I'd been at a game where Derby lost two at home to Sunderland and Paul Simpson scored. Um, but then I went to look for that game, and it doesn't, it doesn't exist. It doesn't ring a bell. No, it doesn't exist. So I sort of don't. I sort of don't really know how I got to that. Uh, but my, my earliest memories of the baseball ground. I think. I think my early. Me- I, I'm not great for. Rem- <laughs> this sounds ridiculous, but I'm not great for remembering things. Like Tom Lokes, who works for, for the club's media and comms department. You can say to Tom, "Can you, you know how many goals has this person got? Or when did this person last do this?" And he knows. He's, he's got it every time. Gibbo's quite Gibbo's quite good at remembering things from from years and years back. My brain doesn't seem to work in quite the same way. I don't seem to have that same sort of level of recall. But my earliest memories, I guess, are going to the baseball ground. We used to go to a lot of um, reserve games actually um, with my grandmother, my dad, and my brothers later on. Um, but the first season that I know I was there and and I really remember it was the promotion season under Jim Smith and. Uh, me and my dad had a half season ticket that that year, and that was the first year that we had a half season ticket. So um, I remember that vividly, and I remember the victory over Crystal Palace. And they put out, you know, pieces of paper, didn't they, on the seats to sort of hold up ahead of the game. And yeah. I'm sure that, that's on, that's, on the Rams, was it? That's the one, and and that's that that's still somewhere like in Mum and Dad's house, um, like in in the attic in a box or something. So that's the first season I really have, and, and probably my favourite earliest memory is that summer after Derby won promotion. I was Derby mad, obviously. Um, I remember my dad coming into my room and sitting on the bed and sort of saying, look, football starts the end of a couple of weeks. I know you're really excited, um, but it's not going to be like last season. We're not going to win every week. Like it, it, it might be a bit different. Sort of preparing me for the reality. Of course, what happened was that we actually had quite a good season and had quite a few good seasons uh, in the Premier League as well, so um, yeah, I guess that's probably that's probably where it formed for me. But uh, you know, a, a lot's happened for you since. You know, now you're mm-hmm. now you are living the dream, and and you are in that in that role as a, as a presenter and also a commentator, um, having mm-hmm. taken that on um, more recently. I just wanted to talk to you about what you think about the art of commentary itself and, and who you rate elsewhere because i'm sure people who commentate they listen to other live sport yeah. and they have the people they look up to and who they base their their own style on so you know you're a you, you've commentated for for radio and and for rams tv um who are the who are the guys who, who are the commentators who you think are, are the best in the game at the moment oh, good question i mean i love i love talking about commentary i could talk about commentary and the art of commentary although my commentary is not an art um all day. Um, who do I like? I love John Murray uh, on Five Live. I think he's absolutely top draw 
in terms of local radio, and this will be a controversial one, but I used to do some work at Radio Nottingham when I was covering the Nottingham Panthers. So I've heard quite a bit of Colin Frey down the years, who's the Forest commentator. Uh, and he is absolutely brilliant. Like, he is absolutely out of this world. Um, obviously, Derby fans won't want to listen to him very often because he's the Forest commentator, uh, but he is brilliant. A um, couple more slightly left field. Arlo White's a guy that I really admire. Oh, yeah. I think oh, he's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, had started at Radio Derby, actually, but he's now with NBC, uh, leads their Premier League coverage. I think Arlo's fantastic. And sort of the left field one really is ice hockey is my other passion. Uh, an ice hockey commentary, even on television, very different to, to anything in Britain. Um, but there's a guy called Doc Emmerich who covers the NHL. I forget which network for, but um, I love Doc. His use of language, the variety of his, his vocabulary um, is astounding, astonishing. So, so he's a guy that I love as well. I, though I try not to model myself on anyone and you know what I'll say is and you might want to get into it a little bit more but what I'll say is that I'd not appreciate until I start doing it how different radio and tv commentary is uh, it's a very different art trying to add to the pictures is very different than purely just describing um, I'd like to think it's something that I'm getting better at but I know that I'm nowhere near any sort of level at the moment uh, but I've really enjoyed it this season I've had some you know, some big moments to, to, to commentate on, which has been good. Had some poor games to commentate on as well, but, you know, that that's the job. Um, but I think I'm a better presenter, reporter than I am commentator, but I hope I'm getting better at it. Well, yeah, and I certainly, when we um, when we spoke to John Motson last season, he, he, to- he told us about the difference between radio and TV, and he said that when you're doing radio, you, you literally have to, well, not literally, you have to, you have to paint a picture for the... For the, the listener, whereas um, on TV you have to sort of uh, complement what the viewers are already seeing, and I, I think in terms of you know the 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 ones that I rate, I've always rated um, someone I tweeted about earlier in the season is uh, Daniel Mann on Sky. Yeah, he's a, he's a great he's a great storyteller actually. He's a he's a really good storyteller. He seems to have that knack, he seems to have knack of having like a you know a, a really sort of colourful, flowery way, you know, way of yeah. describing yeah. the really big moments, you know. And he's also really good at just shouting players' names when they score, which I think is quite an underrated score. Yeah, and, and, and carrying the excitement. I mean, the only thing that I say, I'll say about TV commentary is that there seems to be this move towards, and just to plug another a podcast, there's, there's a podcast, if you're into this sort of thing, called uh, Q Commentator, uh, which is basically interviews with really high-profile commentators, and that's really interesting. Um, but I, th- I think I'm a bit old school in, in how I do it and what I like and that I prefer the guys who would let the pictures breathe. There seems to be this trend in commentary to shout and rant and rave over everything. And it's not about it's not about you as a commentator. It's about what's happening. Um, sometimes you've got to let the pictures breathe and, and just, you know, it's the subtle little additions that can really make it as a commentator. But we seem to be sort of moving away from that. I think that's a bit of a shame. It's not just about losing your mind. It's about that subtlety. But, you know, the, the, the thing about commentary is that it is so individual. What I love, you might hate. And that's just that's just how it is. I think it's, it's certainly changed as an art form in, in well, certainly since, mm. since the likes of you and I started watching football. But just going on to Rams TV as a whole uh, and the mm. fact that Derby do allow uh, fans abroad 
um, and occasionally fans at home to, to watch the games live online. Um, now, most clubs in the Championship also do this through the uh, through the iFollow service, uh, the streaming service. But, I mean, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but as, as far as I'm aware, there aren't that many other Championship clubs that do what Derby do in having their own dedicated in-house channel that have their own production values and that sort of thing. I mean, are you surprised that there aren't more clubs who have done it the Derby way in in personalising that content and, and offering more of a bespoke service to the fans than like a generic site like I follow? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, it, it was very much Mel Morris's vision. And I think in many ways it's not got to the level that he wanted it to. I think, and I don't want to speak for him, and, and a lot of this sort of stuff happened before I joined in a way. But I think he wanted something that could stand against... He wanted to show that the championship didn't need to keep selling itself short to broadcasters because they could produce something themselves that was of a good was of a good standard, not not top class, but I think we're very I think we are, what we do is very good, um, but that that they could sort of basically keep keep it for themselves in in a way, um, or at least make a bit more money out of it. And I think I, I my personal opinion is the football league sort of shot themselves in the foot a little bit when they allowed Sky to put out on the red button the games that were also being streamed on iFollow online because that sort of immediately undermines your market because um, they're trying to prove that people will pay for it and they'll pay for it if it's good enough. Um, obviously, I've never watched what Sky put out because I'm usually quite busy when, when our games are on. But um, but I know that what they do with that, I think it's one camera mix, one commentator, no replays. It's nowhere near what, what we offer. So, But I'm not surprised that more clubs haven't done it because it takes investment. Uh, and it takes work, and you've got to be committed to it, and Mel has been, and I personally massively appreciate that. And I, and I hope Derby fans do as well, because I think I think they've been spoiled a bit by what by, by the volume and by the quality of what we produce. I know other clubs are trying to catch up. Um, Villa, desperately trying to catch up. Uh, Wolves have started ramping up, and I've seen them sort of advertise for a similar role to what I do at Derby as well so other clubs are trying to get there and just trying to start to understand the value of, of what they have and what they own look at look at North America at the, the major clubs over there they control their stuff they produce their own stuff and I don't think there's any reason why football clubs can't do it can't do it themselves but I'm not surprised because it, it does take work it does take a bit of investment to get it going and it takes having the right people which I think we had sort of before anyway because they were part of part of the media team already so do you think that is the model we are moving towards or, or do you think Sky Sports will just always have that monopoly on, on live championship football? I, I really don't know. I think the I think the Amazon thing I think the Amazon thing was really interesting and was a tremendous success. The, the balance and the challenge is always going to be how, how do you balance getting people to the ground, getting people to the game because football's got to have supporters there in person but at the same time we know there's a huge television audience matches so it's about trying to trying to strike that balance and I'm not sure not quite sure how how people will but but yeah I, I don't know I don't know what way it's going to go I watch a lot of American sport so I'll often look at that and think yeah why aren't clubs doing more over here and I think more and more clubs are trying to do it I think there's an example maybe last season season before where where Liverpool didn't sell the commentary rights to one of their Champions League games and said actually if you want to listen to the game you can listen to it through our website um, so I think we might see more and more of that as as time goes on, and and we don't see it much over here. But the role of Premier League productions as well in creating content for overseas markets, I think they're sort of showing that 
that even if it's the league rather than the individual clubs, can keep a lot of things in-house. So I think the model is going to continue to change as, as the years go on. And actually, I'm not sure, you know, three, three and a half years ago, you know, no one would have thought of Rams TV. So I don't know if we can predict what things will look like in five years' time, if you know what I mean. Well, we'll have to. Hopefully, we'll wait for some football to come back, and then we'll see where the game yeah. takes it from there. But uh, more from Owen Bradley in a second. But don't forget, you can, of course, follow us on uh, social. We're at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Now, it is unprecedented and scary territory for our society, but that's why our friends at Derby Brewing Company have moved with the times and turned one of their venues into an off-license. They've turned the new micro-pub in Michelover, the hole in the wall, into a venue where you can get takeout draft beer in pint containers, bottles, cans and wine from 4 until 7pm every day. They're operating a social distancing policy and you have to request your pre-orders via direct message on the Hole in the Wall Facebook page. Get your order in today. Cheers. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So in terms of on-field matters and uh, the 1920 season, Owen, it's uh, Philip Cocker's first. I don't think he could ever have imagined that he's, uh, he's he would have faced the things he has come up against this season. There was, I, I won't boil you of all the details, we all know what those things are, but the incident in September, the charge, everything else, what happened to Christian Bielik. Um I mean, in your opinion... Do you think Koku's faced one of the most difficult off-the-field seasons in, in a generation, almost? Certainly in, in, in recent memory. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, think of, I can't think of another manager that's had to go through the amount of things that he's gone through. He, he even go right back to the start, the fact that you know, he flew straight to Florida to link up with the team and, and all that sort of happened very quickly once pre-season was already underway, taking over Frank Lampard and... And everything that's happened since, I mean, he's been the perfect man for the job in, in the sense of he's been so calm about everything. He's kept his composure. He's kept his class throughout it all. He's been he's been absolutely the right man for the role. Uh, and I think we're starting to see it on the pitch now as well. I don't, don't think there's any doubt we're starting to see it on the pitch now as well. But yeah, in terms of what he's had to deal with, it's, ju- it's just been incredible. Um, yet somehow he's, he's managed to negotiate Derby through it and... You know the playoffs is is not out of the question at the at the moment somehow. One of the uh, one of the most recent uh, challenges, though nothing uh, of the club's doing, of course, was the uh, fallout following Craig Ramage's uh, comments that he made about certain Derby players after the Huddersfield game. Now um, we've spoken about this already, and I feel you'd appreciate. I've got to ask you about this yourself because you did work closely with him in your previous role. But I'm not gonna. It's not really for me to, to sit here and put you on the spot and say, you know, look, did Craig Ramage deserve to be sacked? But as someone who has worked on both sides, what were your general observations about the whole incident? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's incredibly, incredibly tough for me um, because I had that personal relationship with Rama. We were very close for a long time. But what he said um, can't be defended. Um, and as sort of as soon as I saw the comments, I thought, it would end how it ended, which was with him uh, no longer working on Radio Derby, and 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 sadly, you know, I think I think that has to be the right decision given given what happened. I think there there are bigger sort of questions about 
about how those comments got to air in the first place. Um, but it's difficult for me as a club employee uh, and as a former Radio Derby employee um, to really say any more about it. It's, it's just a really sad incident. I'm, I'm sure I haven't spoke to Craig. Um, I'm sure he he's devastated. Um, I'm sure he'll learn from it. Uh, I hope uh, everyone that sort of heard the comments learns as well. If if they were ignorant to to why it was wrong in the first place, but yeah, just just really sad. Actually, just really sad. I think. I appreciate you talking about it in the first place because I know it's you. you more than anyone uh, uh, in a particularly sensitive position about it. But uh, let's let's move on to more, more positive uh, elements, shall we, in the season and your personal highlights. Uh, when you look back on this campaign and what's happened on the pitch, we, we don't know when it's going to finish or if it will finish or where Derby will end up. But so far, after the games we have played and the position you've been in, what would you say have been your on-the-pitch highlights for Derby County this season? Uh, well, I love I love stories. I'm all about stories. So, yeah, I, and I've had the, the sort of the pleasure and the privilege of, of covering the youth teams as well. There's been there's been some great stories there. The the overarching highlight for me is being the fact that these kids are finally getting a chance um, and they're finally starting to come through. So the way Max Bird has broken through since sort of around Christmas time in particular has just been for me absolutely brilliant because that kid is unbelievable, great guy. Deserves everything he's going to get because he's worked so hard. He's been through an awful lot. In terms of individual moments, I think 90s goals um, at Pride Park were up there. Uh, Chris Martin scoring uh, the equaliser at Leeds was a brilliant moment to commentate on. Um, I got Rooney's first goal, although it wasn't quite as as spectacular as I hoped it would be. Uh, But a couple of the Rooney moments have been there. Um, And actually, just the Rooney interview for me, is, is going to be a career highlight. The fact that when he, when Wayne Rooney signs for Derby, I'm the only person that gets to do a one-on-one. I mean, that's that's insane. Um, what else? Louis Sibley's goal against Blackburn. Um, I've been, you know, I will say I'm the founding member of the Louis Sibley fan club. I think the kid's out of this world. Um, and we've been sort of banging his drum for, for a, quite a while, actually. And for him to make his first championship start and do that moment like that, absolutely brilliant uh, so, so actually you know when I think through it commentating on the Borussia Dortmund game the 19s um, was tremendous as well so actually when, I, when when you start to go through it and I always say sport football is about stories it's about moments how many moments do you get in a season that you really think back to in the years to come you think of like one chop at United that's a moment that all Derby fans will, will always remember. And I think actually this season is giving us quite a few moments and will give us a few more moments that that, that will stay with us for years to come. So yeah, I know I've, I've thrown loads at you there, uh, but actually there's, there's been way more than people think realise, I think. If you judge it on, uh, you know, on, on the pitch results only, where Derby are, what, 12th with a completely neutral goal difference and, uh, you know, slap bang in the middle, that obviously that doesn't tell anywhere near the whole story of, of what's happened to Derby County this season and those individual moments. So I, I, I agree with you on that one. But Yeah, and, and like, you know, like the Birmingham game, at the end of that awful week, um, to go, what, they were in front, they were behind, and Birmingham missed a penalty potentially to go in front, and then, I've got this completely wrong, and then and Jamie Patterson wins it late on. I mean, that game was, that game was insane. <laughs> like... Um, so yeah, we, we've had some we've had some absolutely brilliant moments this season. 
Yeah, certainly Stoke at home. I think was up there for me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Swansea away because I just didn't. I just almost given up hope of us ever winning away by that point. So that was just a, a pleasant surprise. Palace in the cup as well. But I think you know you talk about the highs. Jason Knight is brace against Charlton. I think that that was a standout one for me as well. But you you can't talk about the highs without mentioning the uh, the lowlights as well. I mean, the, we, we'll talk about the home form where Derby have been great, but as good as we've been at home, we've been relatively terrible away. There's there was Luton, the various three and all away defeats. Um, we've lost twice to Forest this season without scoring. Um, yeah. Are there any moments where you've just you've just thought I wanted the ground to swallow me up here, or just forget this ever happened? Um, I think I've managed to miss a couple of them just through conveniently timed holidays, like the, the Forest away game in the Cup I was away for. Uh, and I think the Brentford game I managed to miss as well. They were the same week, weren't they? Um, the Luton game was the Luton game was a bad one for me because I thought they'd done all right and I thought the game plan was, was going to work. Uh, and then it just came apart at the end and, and Max Lowe, lost his composure and Max is a great kid and, and he's got a great future and that was a real shame to see. Um, so for me, maybe that's the that's the one that, that, that probably springs to mind. But I think, I'm pleased to say, I think on balance by the end of it, we'll have more positive than negative. So looking at those highlights and the players that contributed to them, um, I know we've talked on the pod a few times about if the player of the year was awarded now, who would it go to? And the, the, the names in the hat for us tend to be the likes of Dwayne Holmes, possibly Waggy, maybe even maybe even Chris Martin or, or Tom Lawrence. Um, who's who's at the uh, who's at the top of the pile for Derby's best performer for this season for you? It's really difficult, isn't it? It's really really difficult. The the young player of the year conversation as well is going to be. I mean, that's going to be a real ding dong. But I put a lot of emphasis on um, longevity. Is not quite the right word, but. But Martin Waghorn's been a workhorse. He's always been available, played in every championship game. He's still Derby's top scorer. I know supporters think he should have scored more. I think Waggy will admit that he's that he should have scored more as well. I think just because of the number of minutes he's played uh, and the goals he's scored, I think for me at the moment, Waggy edges it. Dwayne Holmes, I can completely understand his candidacy, but has he played enough? I'm not sure. And actually, he he had quite a spell before, sort of just before Rooney arrived, where. He, he wasn't affecting games to the level that Derby would have wanted him to. Um, waited, waited a long time to get his first goal or assist of the season. Could you look at Rooney for the influence that he's had coming in? Maybe, maybe you could make the case. But can you give it to a player that's that's only been with the club for half a season? I think that would be incredibly harsh on someone like Martin Waghorn. Uh, and maybe because of that, Tom Lawrence comes in as well. The stat until recently was that he played more minutes than anyone else in the Championship for Derby. I don't know if that's quite still true after injury against Blackburn but it might be um, so so maybe maybe Tom Lawrence is is in that conversation as well which is incredible to think really when you think about how his season started but for the moment I'm giving it waggy until someone makes the case that they should take it off him. I think with Lawrence we've said a few times that we're just we're just really pleased that he's we've all, we've all, all said he has had the talent he's had the ability yeah. but we're just really pleased that he's now being a more consistent match winner or he was until football got cancelled but I know it's um, a difficult one for you to say again because it was uh, an incident a few months ago and and no one came out of it well. But the the incident that did happen in September, do you think, in a, in a strange sort of way, Owen, that 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 has helped Tom Lawrence kick on and that has um, well not been a kick up the arse at all. That's not the way to look at it in any way. But do you think 
he has come out of that and and really improved as a player. I mean, he certainly he certainly seems to have have found a bit of peace. Um, I, I mean, I, I would assume based on the way that his performances have improved. Um, something appears to have settled him down to sort of unlock the potential that, that's always been there. I mean, it, it was awful what happened. Of course it was. Absolutely terrible. But sometimes people need an event in their life. Uh, talk about Shane and Shen Nicholson's story and what he, what he went through. He needed an event in his life to sort of sort him out. And sometimes that's what people need. And maybe that's what that was for Tom Lawrence. I don't know. I've never I've never spoken to him about it. Um, and about how he felt before, how he feels now, what happened. But my interpretation of it would sort of be that that maybe that was watershed isn't probably the right term, but maybe that was a moment for him to stop and think and decide what direction he wanted to go in. But what we know is his form of late has been his best for Derby County. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, I know from personal experience that uh, no Derby County interview this season is uh, is complete without the obligatory Wayne Rooney question um you've uh, you did as you mentioned earlier his first interview when he joined the club what what's been your experience of him you you will have seen him uh, behind the scenes around the place with the players with the youngsters um so firstly what have you made of him as a person and how he carries himself and secondly do you see him figuring as much next season as uh, as this campaign, especially with the recent emergence into the first team of the likes of um, of uh, Sibley and Bird. I, I mean, I think he's been great as a guy. He's been great. You can tell. You can tell he's been there and done that. And it's not that he's bored of it, but you, you can tell that. Yeah, you know, he probably knows what I'm going to ask him before he, before I ask it. Um, so he's been a bit more cerebral than than maybe I thought he was going to be. But I, I've really enjoyed dealing with him. Probably one of my favourite Rooney sort of moments was was actually when he was a guest in the studio before a game, and we had Leon Osman in as well, and and the two of them just started talking football off air, and that was fascinating. And like their their sort of passion for the game, Rooney's sort of geekiness for the game started to come through a little bit. And, and what you hear about him is that he just loves football and he just loves playing, and that's that's all he's ever wanted to do, and he, he wants to keep doing it for as long as he can. But I think that's why he's got a lot to offer as a coach as well. Um, and, and as a bit of a mentor to these guys, so on a personal level, I've really enjoyed dealing with him. I think the influence that he's had has been has been brilliant. Um, I know the deal has had some criticism from uh, certain avenues, but I think actually has it helped Derby County as a business? I don't see the books, but I would assume almost certainly yes. Has it helped them on the field? Obviously yes. So it gets you know a big big thumbs up all round really in terms of the deal that was done to bring him in. As for next season. I'm not sure. I think it all depends on how he is physically. And I don't think actually from what we've seen, there's any signs that he, he maybe won't be able to keep it up. It's not like his game is based on speed and we've got to worry about that going. He's still going to be a competitor. The only thing that might change is, as you say, suddenly there's a lot of competition in that in that midfield. Um, but maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if, you know, we saw against Blackburn when, when he wasn't available. Derby did all right without him. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if, the manager can be a bit more selective of when he picks him, when he doesn't. Um, but, you know, he, he's had a brilliant influence on, on things and I'm sure that will continue as we go forward. And you mentioned there that, uh, you know, just gave a little a little snippet of when he was on Rams TV and he was talking to Leon Osman because so, so much of Wayne Rooney at Derby has been about Wayne Rooney, the player, but it's almost easy to forget that he has signed on as 
a player coach. So, you know, you said there that you saw him just talking football and geeking out about the game. Can you just give us a an insight in into the sort of stuff he likes discussing? Was he talking sort of players' attributes and, and like formations and tactical stuff? Or what are the parts of football that, that interest Rooney the most, would you say? Oh, there's a question. I mean, they were talk- they were talking a lot about actually the physical side of it. Uh, Michael Johnson was in the studio as well. And, and Wayne was, it started with Wayne talking about how he sort of had to change how he trained through the years. And that I think, he, I think I'm right in saying that he said that for a long time when he was, when he was younger, he didn't even have, have to stretch because his body could just do everything it needed to do. Um, and that has had to change as, as the season's gone on. But it, it was a really, it was a really interesting discussion about, uh, about tactics and about movement. Um, I think he made a comment actually on air, maybe after his first game, where he was talking about how he'd been watching how Derby were around throw-ins and how Derby weren't engaged enough on throw-ins and how often they were standing back and, and they were basically letting the team have five yards and, and start to play. And what I noticed, and, and if you watch back those first Rooney games, you'll see him drag Derby up, up the pitch and press the opposition a little bit more when they've got a defensive throw-in. And when he wasn't playing against Blackburn, I noticed Max Bird doing the same thing. Um, you just hear you just hear little stories about the little conversations that Rooney's having with players and um, at the training ground, pulls someone to one side, quiet word here, quick word there, all those sort of little unseen things that we won't know about. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, I think he's been brilliant. Well, there we go. Well, it's um, it's been great to get your insight, Owen. It's 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 and it's certain. I'm sure it will help definitely plug the gap of. Um, Derby County uh, content-starved fans for the uh, for the next few weeks and however long our current situation lasts. But uh, listen, Owen, it's been great to talk to you. No pleasure, mate. Pleasure. And pleasure. Um, yeah, keep up the uh, keep up the sterling work. And well, I guess we'll see or hear from you sometime in what maybe June, July. Who knows? Who, who knows, mate? Who knows? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.